What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always. Come to y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. Before we get into things, uh, once more, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube as well. Make sure to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button where you can, leave the five-star reviews where you can. All of those ways help us to grow the show. Little uh, programming note here. Um, It is Holy Week, so um, I, you know, Easter being on Sunday, I am not sure if we're going to have a podcast after this, uh, this one here on Thursday this week. Uh, might have do one on Monday, might just wrap the, you know, weekend recap, uh, mix that one with our Tuesday show. Uh, but you know, we, we will, uh, we will have a podcast recapping this weekend. Um, one day or another, most likely Monday or Tuesday, with no podcast being on Sunday, unless I can get one going on Saturday night. Uh, but we do have some games late that night uh, that we'll talk about here, so that will push things uh, back a bit. So most likely we'll have the next podcast recapping this weekend on either Monday or Tuesday due to Sunday being Easter. Now, the biggest game this weekend is number one versus number two. The number one ranked Duke Blue Devils will travel to South Bend and will take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. That's a 4 p.m. game, I believe it is. Uh, They're in South Bend, number one versus number two, as I mentioned. One of the best games of the season. It's it's one of a couple uh, top ten matchups this weekend. I believe it is the only top five matchup or top three matchup for sure this weekend. However, though, uh, you know Duke comes into this one. They are riding high. They are cruising right now. For a 16-14 win over uh, Virginia last weekend. They're on an eight-game winning streak, looking to extend that here against Notre Dame. And the biggest aspect for this Duke team all season, you know, we've talked about it at length, is its offense. Brennan O'Neill, Andrew McDoy, Dyson Williams, and numerous others. These guys are phenomenal. They are averaging 15.5 goals a game. That's fourth best in Division One. This is an offense that is humming, and when they get going, it is extremely hard to stop. However, in recent weeks, and even last week, it's been more of the Duke defense that's made much more of the headway. Um, And while the offense has still been good and has certainly gotten a lot better since those early games when you saw it still kind of coming together, and it's been just humming here at, you know, high speeds the past couple of weeks and certainly through these eight wins uh, that the Blue Devils have claimed consecutively, this defense has gotten, I would say the defense has gotten even better through this stretch. So 
They held Loyola, North Carolina, Air Force, and St. Joseph's to single digits in four consecutive games. Now, you can say the Loyola, the Air Force, the uh, St. Joseph's game, maybe not as impressive as the Carolina game, and I can understand that. St. Joseph's, though, I would say, would, uh, you know, I, I would urge people, don't, I wouldn't put St. Joseph's into that camp. I, maybe Loyola and Air Force be in that camp of maybe, you know, expected, uh, uh, it was more expected in those games than it was Carolina and St. Joe's, but certainly holding a team to single digits, teams of that caliber, very, very notable. Uh, Kenny Brower leading the way here with this defense, held Connor Schellenberger to uh, one assist last week and zero goals. Now, Schellenberger, as we mentioned, did have three assists on the day against Duke. However, two of those assists came while Brower was serving a non-releasable penalty, so he was not on the field. So when Kenny Brower was on the field last week on Connor Schellenberger, he only had one assist. Uh, tremendous, tremendous performance from Kenny Brower. Second fantastic game from him in a row. The week before, he held Levi Anderson uh, off the board. I believe he had one assist in that game as well, maybe two, uh, but he did not have a goal. Matt Bomer also uh, was held off the board, I believe, or at least 1-1. He was held very limited in that contest also for St. Joseph's and Wilson Stevenson doing a great job just being all over the place there, uh, helping uh, to contribute to stifle Bomer there on that day as well. So Stevenson and Brower have been phenomenal here on the back end. And then William Helm has been fantastic in cage. He's you know 50-some-odd percent safe percentage. The St. Lawrence transfer and anchoring this defense that has really taken a step in the right direction. You know, coming into the season, the biggest question for me with Duke um, not wasn't necessarily concerning the offense and how it would work and come together. There was questions there, but the biggest one for me was that can this defense take a step back because in, in the right direction because they had kind of slid. And defense, in many respects, was their weakness last season. We're seeing this team uh, be absolutely phenomenal on the back end this year. This is the best defense that I've seen Duke play in a number of years, and they're going to continue, look to continue that on Saturday. And they've got another tough matchup in Notre Dame. You've got Chris and Pat Cavanaugh there leading the way with that attack. They've also got Eric Dobson, Quinn McCann there at the midfield. This is a versatile Notre Dame offense. I know the Cavanaugh brothers get a lot of love and a lot of hype, and rightfully so. But when you look at this midfield, when you look at these other guys here, Jake Taylor, who, who's come back in the picture, like this is an offense that is deep. This is an offense that is talented and really can attack when it needs to the most. And so this is going to be a, another challenge for this Duke defense. And that's the biggest thing I'm watching for in this game is can they have another game like they did a week ago. Can they hold one of the Kavanaugh's? Can they hold this offense? If they can hold this offense under 10 points or even to 10, I think that's impressive. When you look at Notre Dame right now, uh, this is an offense that is 
the second best scoring offense in college across, still averaging 16.38 goals per game. You got Pat Cavanaugh, 29 assists, 14 goals as your quarterback. Chris Cavanaugh, 26 goals, nine assists there as your primary shooter. But as I mentioned, you've got guys like Eric Dobson, Quinn McCann at that midfield, uh, Jake Taylor, you know, coming back into the, into the form here at the attack spot, Jeffrey Riccardelli. Like you've got so many guys that have stepped up and can step up on any given day. And this is an offense that can really attack, you know, on command uh, this season. And, and they've done so. Um, and so that matchup right there between the Duke defense and, and, and considering the success they've had the past couple of weeks and the Notre Dame offense. And look, when you look at this Notre Dame offense, they've been very, very good. Um, you know, you could, I mean, you can mention they did um, seemingly against, you know, the one loss is against uh, Virginia, and they did struggle a bit in that game. They got to 10 goals in that contest. That is the least amount of goals they've had all season. Um, so, again, if Duke can hold them to 10, I, I think, or even if they can go lower, that's even more impressive. But if they can hold them to 10, have the defensive day that Virginia did against them just a few weeks ago, that's going to lead to a Duke victory in this contest. Um, you know, one of the more I intriguing you no know, battles here uh, in this game, actually, before, before I get to that real quick, the Notre Dame defense also, when you look at, you know, fake, Cone, one of those guys, you know, how the Duke offense attacks that is also going to be interesting. Liam Intamin being there as the anchor of that unit. And this is a, 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 a Notre Dame defense allowing 9.5 goals per game. That's fourth nationally. Duke, I believe, is like 11th nationally right now in terms of scoring defense. So both of these defenses are, are very good. Both of these offenses are very good uh, across the board. Um. One of the more intriguing, like, you know, player-player matchups here, game within the game, if you will, is at the face-off dot, where you have Jake Naso gone 62% for Duke, and you've got Will Lynch, who's gone 49% against uh, – 49% for Notre Dame. Now, Naso's coming off a 41% day, I believe. I don't have his, his – Season stats in front of me. I believe that's one of his worst days, if not the worst, this season. Um, uh, unless uh, I possible that he went lower at against Zach Cole St. Joe's, but I cannot remember off the top of my head. Um, and Lynch is coming off a phenomenal day, sixty nine percent against Syracuse. How the how these guys you know carry themselves into this game. And how they go up against each other is going to be interesting nonetheless. Um, also, you know, this is a the riding and clearing aspect in this game. So uh, Notre Dame rides fairly well. The Kavanaugh brothers are uh, very good riding attackmen. And so last season in the first game, these two teams played twice last year. In the first game, I believe, and I don't have the, I know it was, you know, around this, th th this area, it was under 85%, I believe, 
is what Notre Dame held Duke to in that contest. Now, Duke is is holding their opponents, I believe I saw earlier, it was like to 86% or something like that in the riding game. And Notre Dame is about the same. So how that impacts thing, things and how successful each of these teams can be in that regard is also uh, something to watch for. And, and as I, I usually put that in with, with every week because that is uh, every game, every week, like that is one of the aspects that can you know really change the outcome of a game just on a dime um, and the momentum you can get from those possessions and especially if you score off those possessions. As mentioned earlier, uh, this is a, you know, a, one of the couple top 10 team, top 10 battles this week. The next one is uh, who we're going to talk about is Virginia, number three, Virginia versus number nine, North Carolina. That is a Holy Friday game there under the lights in Chapel Hill. Connor Schellenberg obviously coming off of the game where he had just three assists. And they are facing another extremely good, extremely improved defense in North Carolina. The Tar Heels have have a defense that has allowed under 10 goals in eight games this season, ranks third in scoring defense, allowing 8.5 goals per game, and is sixth in caused turnovers per, caused turnovers per game, 10 point three i am i am extremely interested to see how north carolina can attack virginia defensively in this one you look at you know paul barton and all these guys on this back end andrew geppert um and, and colin Krieg and cage this is a defense overall that's gotten a lot better connor Moore, uh ty english have been very good as guys who can impact the game in uh, at the D mid spot and in transition. Um, now Virginia has those guys too with the likes of Grayson Soliday, which is something always very interesting with these matchups is the middle of the field because both these teams going back to you know 2018, 19, 20, 21, like these matchups every year for the past you know, four or five years have been maybe not always won in the middle of the field, but have always provided some level of fast-paced play to it. And that's always exciting with these matchups. And so that's something with North Carolina and Virginia, I am always you know, keened into, always locked into that aspect of this matchup because of the style of play that these teams play and the similarities uh, there in of their styles of play. Now, moving to the Big Ten, um, I'm going to go over just this real quick, the Big Ten. So the Big Ten standings, and if you um, should be out by the time this post, um, my uh, you know, what to, you know what to watch during week nine of the college class season, I, I had in here uh, the Big Ten standings, added this into it. So Johns Hopkins is 9-3 overall, 2-0 in conference play. Maryland, 6-3 overall, 1-1 one one in conference play. Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State are all 1-1 one one in league play as well. Michigan with a 6-3 overall record. Uh, Penn State with a 6-3 overall record. Michigan, 5-4 overall record. Ohio State, 5-5. Five five. 
Rutgers is surprisingly, as we mentioned uh, on the Tuesday show, as well as I think it was uh, Sunday, surprisingly in last place in the Big Ten, 7-3 overall, 0-2 in conference play. Their losses, Army, Johns Hopkins, Ohio State. A surprising uh, start to conference play here for Rutgers, to say the least. Surprising start, you could say, for Johns Hopkins, given where they were coming into the season. So, I'm going to go over this real quick here. Hopkins, they have beaten Michigan and Rutgers. Maryland beat Penn State, fell to Michigan. Okay. Penn State beat Ohio State, beat Rutgers, as we mentioned. Michigan beat Maryland and then uh, had the loss to Hopkins, as mentioned. Rutgers, we mentioned, is the outlier here, 0-2, with uh, losses to Ohio State and to Johns Hopkins. The Big Ten is wild right now. The Big Ten is wild. Um, It is arguably the best conference in college across right now. Maybe not because they have the best teams, but because it's the most exciting. And uh, we've got a pair of Big Ten games – Three Big Ten games on the docket again this weekend. You've got two on Friday night, Rutgers and Michigan face off at 6 p.m. And then you have uh, later that day or that night, Ohio State will host Maryland in the nightcap at 8 p.m. The one that is the most interesting of those two to me, um, and and I'll mention this Saturday night game here uh, real quick first, Hopkins, number six Hopkins at – eight-ranked Penn State. Table that for a second. Let's go back to Friday night. Rutgers and Michigan. Is Michigan going to be able to build off of the momentum of last week? I don't I don't care about the uh, you know the the matchups or anything in this game. What I am looking at with this game is Michigan are they going to be able to build off their momentum? We have seen before Michigan get big wins. We have seen before Michigan get notable wins and then not do anything else the rest of the season. We have seen that. We've seen Michigan, you know, if you want to call it falling off, you can call it that, but not finish strong. Michigan, if you want to prove that you are here, if you want to prove that you have started to beginning begin to arrive, win this game, and you will begin to prove that. If you lose this game, people will look at Maryland and say, "Was that a fluke?" Personally, I, you know, I don't know if it was or not. I tend on the side it wasn't. You know why? Because we play the games. You go out, you play the game, Michigan had a better game plan, executed better, they beat Maryland. A huge win for them. Now, on the Rutgers side, very similar. Very, very similar. Ross Scott has been, I believe, shut out each of the last two games. So He might have had one goal against Ohio State, but he's not played good. And they've lost these two games when he's not been playing good, when he's been taken out of the game. Jack Posey, uh, excuse me, it was... um, Scott Smith last week, and it was Bobby Van Buren the week before. This week, you go up against Michigan. I don't know 
if Michigan has a guy that can take him out of the game. I, I don't know. However, I do know that the past couple of weeks he's been taken out of the game. And I wasn't really expecting that. Now, when you look at Michigan, Jack Whitney is the top defender on the season. Andrew Darby also has been there as well. I I don't know if either of those guys have what it takes to step in and shut off or, or take Ross Scott out of a game. I'm not sure this Michigan defense has it in them to slow down the Rutgers offense if they get going. Last week, they were able to win the win win the possession battle and be able to not allow Maryland to get going. Now, Maryland did get did get a couple of runs. Michigan answered. And they got their fair share of stops as well. And a, a lot of that you can thank to Hunter Taylor, Shane Carr, playing the first second half in that game. Michigan's going to have to kind of win, I think, a similar way here. And, you know, we talk about Rutgers and Maryland and both having a lot of depth at the defensive midfield spot. Rutgers is, is even better at that in terms of pushing the issue, in terms of pushing pace in the middle of the field. And with you know Noah Daniels and, and all those guys they have there at, at the D mid spot, if they can do that, I think they win this game. Uh, but again, I, I think for me, like throw out the matchups, throw out all of that stuff, and just look at it from what where these teams are. Michigan is coming off a big, big win, the biggest one in program history. They want to move forward. Rutgers, they went to championship weekend last year. They won the quarterfinals two years ago. They want to go back there. They know what they are. They know the brand they have built there. They're 0-2 in conference play, though. They've been unable to get it done against Ohio State and against Johns Hopkins. They have got to get it done against Michigan. And if they don't, they're not dropping out of the top 20. They're not dropping out of any of these, you know, projection, you know, tournament projections immediately. And there's still time to make it up. But if they if they drop this one, you know, you don't want to you don't want to say that one loss is going to, you know, drown out the rest of the season, is going to overshadow or, or cast a shadow across the rest of the season. But Starting 0-3 conference play is not a good place and is not where Rutgers wants to be after Friday night. Now, moving on to the next game here, and this is the Saturday night game and and, and the one that I think is the biggest in Big Ten play (laughs) this weekend. That is the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays traveling to Happy Valley to take on the eighth-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. Hopkins comes in this contest after beating Rutgers 
16 to 12 in a game with the Blue Jays. Once again, once again, they, they've done it multiple times this season, just blasting teams in the fourth quarter, blasting them in the second half. They outscored the Rutgers 8 to 2 in the final 22 minutes and change there. Um, Jacob and Jealous, two goals, three assists, led the way for Blue Jays. Scott Smith held Rutgers, Ross Scott, I mentioned, off the board of just a one goal in that contest, headlining the Blue Jays' defensive performance in that game. Now, when you look at Penn State, they're coming off a big win over Ohio State, 17-9, on, on Sunday, where they used a – I mean, they scored combined 12 goals in the second half, six in the third, six in the – was it six in the third and six in the fourth? Or was it eight and – no, six in the third, six in the fourth, where it was, uh, to pull away from this game. And uh, and they did oh, – excuse me, it was not the third and fourth. In the second – and third quarters, six in the third, six in the uh, in the second, six in the third. Uh, so you had that big middle of the game run where they were able to pull away in this one and get the win. You had TJ Malone, Jack Trainer, all these guys contributing offensively. Kevin Winkoff, the whole the the whole gang there. Uh, Jack Facion with twelve saves in cage. Nittany Lions held Ohio State to just three goals in the final fifteen minutes or so of that contest. And out in front of the cage, the most impressive player here for them, you had Grant Haas, I thought, had one of his better games of the season there. And then Kevin Parnum playing in just his third game this season. Four ground balls and a caused uh, a, a caused one turnover to help the Nittany Lions defense there, headlining their polls. This is a... Um, this is a John Colley offense, and this is this is the matchup here for this game, for me at least, is this John Colley offense and this, you know, Angelus and, and all of these guys that are contributing to this Hopkins offense. Angelus, Peshko, Grimes, um, what was his name, Matt Collison, the freshman, all of these guys. This is a game where... They are going to go up against a Penn State defense that we know has held teams uh, very good this season. They did it to Yale. They did it to Penn. They did it to Cornell. And they did it to Ohio State last week. Can Penn State's defense have that kind of performance again on Saturday? If they can, I think they can win this game. But also want to mention, you can never, ever, ever let up against Johns Hopkins. That's the truth. You cannot let up against this team. The second you let up, they're scoring eight, nine goals in the second half, the fourth quarter, to put you away. They did it against Delaware. They've done it all season long. They've exploded late in the game for wins. They have. They, they just have. It is, it, 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 it's kind of like they're following the same script every week. It's the same script. And Hopkins, they've run, what, six or seven straight now. They're on a roll. Um, you know, this is going to be a, 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 a tremendous game, I believe, a tremendous battle between these two, and I think it's going to tell us a lot about the Big Ten. I think this weekend overall is going to tell us a lot about the Big Ten, 
will we get any more clarity in terms of like uh, who's placed where? I don't know, but I, I think we can learn a lot from the conference this weekend and maybe just how good they are. I don't know. We'll see about that one. Another contest to preview here. I don't want to take too long on this one. Syracuse and Princeton. So these two teams sat atop college across for the 90s, the 2000s. Like Y'all know the story. I don't have to go into it. What is it? Ten national titles combined during that period from 92 to 2002. 11 championship game appearances. It's tremendous. And a lot of those against each other. Um, you know, it, 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 it is phenomenal what these two accomplished during that time period. They have not played since 2013. Syracuse, as we talked way back in the fall about, dropped Cornell. Dropped, did they drop Army as well? Yeah, dropped Army and picked up this Princeton rivalry back. First time since 2013 that they are playing. Uh, this one will be at Class 1952 Stadium there in Princeton, uh, Princeton ranked 15th in the country, coming off a contest where, uh, once again, Colter Mackesy having a great day, the offense having a great day. They beat Brown last week. Mackesy's combined for 16 points, 11 goals, 5 assists through those last two games against Yale and against Brown. When you look at Syracuse, it's also kind of a, um, a team where its offense has kind of defined it this year with Joey Spolina, 28 goals, 20 assists, leads this team. Uh, and then you've also got Finn Thompson. You've got Coast, uh, Owen Hiltz, all these guys there as well. Uh, the, the one thing I do, wanna, I do want to uh, look at in this one is with Princeton because they've been uh, pretty injured this season. And, uh, you know, they have not had a consistent lineup really – the past couple of weeks, you no know, Mackesy, Vidalo, Sam English are your only three guys that really started every game this season offensively for you. Alex Slusher has been out. Um, and I was he, I don't believe he was back last week. Let me look at this real quick. I do not believe he was back last week. No, he was not. He went out against Penn in the, uh, the opener uh, after the Penn game, <laughs> and he's been out. So, You've got him out, Brennan Solis, who played the first three games as a starter. He's been out. Uh, Luke Staunt has been starting there. You've seen Jack Reinhofer. Um, like, and, and look, I, I think, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, uh, maybe it was last week, that Princeton, I think last season, like one of the things that set them apart last season was their depth. Um, and it was defensively, which we, we know they have that again this year, and especially in cage. And it was also offensively with the emotions of guys like Colter Mackesy. And that kind of set them apart last year from those Princeton teams of the past, like five, six, seven years, where it seems like they've had it. They, they always had like a really good top six, um, but it, top six, top seven, you know, top 10, whatever. But like the depth wasn't there. It seems like, like, like they have that now. They had it last year. They have it again this year. I am taking Princeton in this game. I think Princeton wins the third consecutive game um, in a row. And so I'm taking Princeton in this contest. I, you know, how much, like, is it going to be an easy win? I, I don't think so. Um, I, I should mention Tyler Sandoval is also out. So 
you know, how Princeton continues to develop. If any of these guys return, and Sandoval's out for the season, I believe it is. Uh, so, you know, how do any of these guys return? How they continue to develop without these guys? Like that's all, all something to watch. There, I, I think if like this, this would be a big win for Syracuse, though. It would be a big win for Syracuse. They they kind of like need to win like this because they're not going to make the tournament this year. They clearly are the, are, are the last team in the ACC. Um, you know how like they're, they're, they're like you feel like they're a year away, like they're a year away. It's been said all year. The Syracuse, they're a year away. Get these young guys developed, and that's what this year is about: building that foundation where they can eventually get back to championship weekend, get back to where they want to be. And uh, they, they're improving. They've certainly improved from last season a lot. Um, and, and things are going up there in uh, the Dome with Gary Gates' program. A couple of the games I want to pick here, uh, Penn State and Hopkins. I'm taking Hopkins in that one, Rutgers and Michigan. This one was tough. But I am going to take Rutgers in this one. I am going to take Rutgers in that one. Um, North Carolina and Virginia. I'm taking the Cavaliers. Duke and Notre Dame. I know it's Holy Week, but I'm taking Duke in this one. I I'm sorry. I I gotta I gotta pick the Blue Devils. I know Easter is not for Devils. It, you know, you all see the signs whenever there's, um, what is it, the March Madness, whenever it falls during Easter time and Duke's Easter time and Duke's playing, you know, because of signs, Easter's not for Devils. Um, you got to pick the Blue Devils in this one. They're rocking their role, and I think they continue to roll on in this contest. Uh, before we get out of here, a couple of the games to watch this weekend, Brown and Penn. Be an interesting one there. Brown looking to get their first win in conference play. Penn looking to get its second win in a row coming off that game over, uh, coming off the game against Yale over the weekend. Yale plays Dartmouth this weekend. So uh, I would, I don't, I, that's not one I, I really would mention as a game to watch, but I think it could be interesting. Uh, Robert Morris and Utah. This is a conference, re, conference championship rematch from last season. This could help define. The like if this could help solidify Utah as the uh, champion, uh, uh, as the uh, number one seed in the A Sun. So they, they they beat Bellarmine, they beat Air Force, they beat Jacksonville. If they beat Utah this weekend, they will have beaten all the teams that you looked at and said they're in the top four coming into the season. Now, Mosa is is they're moving. Mosa beat RMU last week. Though moving, I've really got my eye on the Bears and, and what they have done this season in conference play. Ryan Danny, he has uh, in his first season, has that team playing some pretty good lacrosse at this moment. And they've got Cleveland State this weekend. They've got Utah in two weeks. So uh, if they want to make a statement, that would be it. They end with Queens and Lindenwood. So I, I assume they're going to win those ones. I assume they're going to get a... Uh, would they have a winning record if they finish with that? Pull the schedule here. Yes, they would. They would. Oh, actually, no. They're four and seven right now. If they won, 
they, yeah, they'd have to win out. They, they best they could. I, I don't see them beating Utah. Um, so I mean, the best they could do is, I mean, maybe five, six, seven. Yeah, be seven and eight. Still good, good record. Um, there in your first season against some teams they've played, Carolina, Army, and the likes of that. Binghamton, Vermont, big battle in the in the America East. Both these teams and Vermont are three and zero in the in in the. Um, both Binghamton, Vermont, both of these teams, and Bryant are three and zero in the America East. Big battle here between these two, uh, Denver and Villanova. I am extremely interested in this one. Is Villanova the second best team in the Big East once again this year? Are they the best team? They've still got Georgetown on the schedule as well. Villanova can make a big statement in this one, and I think that they probably will because that's what I'm picking in this contest. Drexel and Stony Brook. Drexel, Stony Brook, Delaware, all tied for uh, 3-0 in the CAA. Another one of those battles to potentially uh, decide, you know, tournament seedings there in the conference tournament coming up in about three, uh, no, four, uh, yeah, four or five weeks from now is when we start, is when we will get those. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. As always, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch on YouTube as well. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the like button wherever you can. Also, leave the five-star reviews wherever you can. You can connect with us on social media, at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.